Hey, it's Pastor Jeffrey Graff with Faith Family Church Next Gen. Thanks for tuning in. I hope this message brings truth, clarity, and hope to your situation. God loves you very much, and I hope you feel that today. Enjoy the podcast. What's up, everybody? It is so good to see you guys. How are y'all doing today? Hey, can we give our band a hand clap, man? They do such a good job leading us in the presence of God. Um, I hate to start out kind of grumbly and complaining, but I have beef with Sonic, okay, like the fast food place. Here's why. Without a doubt, Sonic is one of the slowest fast food restaurants in the history of fast food restaurants and in Victoria. Like, like we know you just microwave everything back there anyway. Like, what is the deal? But here's why, okay? Their name is literally Sonic. You ever think about that? Like supersonic speed? I feel like it's false advertising, okay? Like I like the food. I just feel like it's not true. But here's why. It really gets me. When you order in Sonic, your order has a status. So like you order and there's this little red dot. And I'm going to miss some of the, the lines. But like the first dot, it says like, oh, it's in the kitchen. And you know, okay, my food is in the kitchen. But then it finally progresses, very slowly, mind you, and it gets to the point where it says, on the way. And I'm like, woo, on the way. And it still takes like five minutes. And I'm just like, on the way from where? The Quero, you're right there. And it should be here already. It makes me so mad. You have rollerblades, too. Like, this should take tops 20 seconds. I've literally like... Man, my prayer life is strengthened by Sonic. I have to try to refrain from bitterness. I've constructed what I think they do in there, okay? Andrew, I'm glad you're here, bro. And you knew I was going to call you. He used to work at Sonic. After, after you could tell me if this is true or not, okay? I feel like the chef, Mr. Sonic, he's cooking back there. And I feel like he finishes the, the whatever you get. And then he puts it in the bag. Wraps it up for the delivery boy, and he's like, yeah, boom, and hits the button on the way. Is there a button? I don't know, but I think there's a button. Boom, on the way. And then I feel like the delivery boy goes, and he's like, oh, what's up? Maybe he's friends with the chef. Maybe she's friends with the chef. They could be a delivery girl. It doesn't matter. I'm focused on the time, people. I feel like they go back there, and they're like, hey, man, did you already hit the on the way button? And it's just like, yeah, and they're like, ah, dang. How's your day been, man? Like, how's your mental health? You know, like they're like getting like into these deep conversations. I just feel like they procrastinate. I really do because it's on the way. I feel like they procrastinate with my food. And I don't like that. I'm sorry to start out so bitter. But I was thinking about that a couple times. I go to Sonic too much. And I was thinking, you know, I, I guess I kind of procrastinate too. When I first moved here, I'd tell people that I was, I was oh, I'm, gonna, I'm getting in the gym soon. I said that for like two years. It was like, I Literally, these time hops or whatever, not time hops, you know what I'm saying? Like the old photos, like I've been saying that for a long time. But don't hate on me because y'all do it too. Y'all be leaving YA. I'm like, all right, later. And you're like, yeah, sorry, I got to leave. I got to write a paper. I'm like, oh, yeah, good luck. When's it due? Yesterday. <laughs> and like Sonic, you've been telling your teacher it's on the way for two weeks. On the way from Wikipedia. All right, you just copy-pasted it. We all know. I realize that no matter who we are, we all struggle with procrastination. Help me out. Everybody say procrastination. We have areas that we tell ourselves, tell other people, oh, no, 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 it's, it's on the way. 
you're at church, so obviously I'm going to make this spiritual, okay? I feel like in our faith is one of the greatest areas that we procrastinate with things God is asking us to do. God's like, hey, when are you going to forgive that person? Oh, God, forgiveness? It's on the way. Haven't even started praying for them yet. God's like, when are you going to make church a habit? That habit, Lord, it's on the way. It's on the way. And he's like, okay, but like if it came to being in the gym, what happened? Who sneezed? Who? Well, go ahead and stand up because we all want to bless you. No, I'm serious. Stand up. George, stand up. Everybody say bless you on three. One, two, three. Bless you, George. All right. May your nostrils ever smell the presence of the Lord. Okay. I'm serious. We have these areas where we tell God, like, God, it's on the way. And the truth is, I'm not really sure that it is. I do it, too. We can all procrastinate in our faith and, and act like it's on the way. Last week, the title of my message was On the Out. Any guesses what it is today? If you're a little slow, I'm glad you're here. But the title of my message is On the Way. Would you help me out one more time? Say, On the Way. Here's my prayer. My prayer is that by the grace of God, we are going to make progress in our procrastination. See, we're in this series called Almost Three Reasons We Barely Miss God's Plan for Our Lives. I got this series title from this story in Luke chapter 9. It's a story that I call the Almost Disciples, meaning these people were almost disciples of God, almost saw everything that God could do in their life, but they gave these excuses and so they missed out. The story is in Luke 9, 57 through 62. This is the guy that we talked about last week, the first one. It says, you got the underlying part. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, it's a weird reply, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests. But the son of man has no place even to lay his head. That's the first almost disciple. If you missed it last week, basically Jesus was telling him, look, dude, foxes have holes. The birds have nests. But me and my followers, we don't really have a place in this world. And I was talking about how if you're going to get good at following Jesus, you got to be okay not completely fitting into this world. you got to be okay not having a home and being on the out. That guy was not okay with that. He missed it. And I think we miss it for a lot of the same reason. I think, honestly, we're kind of scared to really commit to God because we know it'll make us stand a little bit out too much. Uh, but that's what we talked about last week. It's on the podcast. If you miss it, you want to catch up, you can. But here's the second guy today. Verse 59 says, he said to another person, come, follow me. The man agreed. But he said, Lord, first, let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Honestly, this sounds a little bit harsh at first. Like, Lord, his dad died. But most likely, what's going on is the man's dad isn't really dead. The man's kind of saying, like, look, Jesus, my dad's got a couple more years. Let me go home. Let me get the inheritance a little bit, and I'm going to hit you back up, all right? And Jesus is calling out the procrastination in his heart. Because of that procrastination, he is going to miss what God will do in his life. And if we procrastinate in our faith, we will miss what God will do in our life. And I just tell you, man, I see it all the time. And I know you do too. We, there's always excuses. There's always reasons to procrastinate. Oh, I'm in school right now. Just want to have a good time. 
I'm young. And then you get out of school and you're like, well, I'm single right now. I'm not married. Let me be dysfunctionally happy by myself. I won't put that on somebody one day, but for right now, I'm living my best life. And you know what I always talk to parents? I always talk to parents and they're always like, we knew we wanted to take God seriously when we started having. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Did y'all say sex? Everybody's like, kids. One person's like, sex. Well, they can't have one without the other. If you didn't know that, I'm sorry. We had a love sex dating series in February. You can go back and watch that podcast. Listen, there's always an excuse. There's always reasons to procrastinate, man. Always reasons for your faith to be on the way. And say, ah, one of these days, let me tell you right now and be straight up with you. One of these days is none of these days. So, for our remaining time, I want to look at a story in the Bible of a man and a woman who procrastinated. They put God on the back burner, missed what he could do. And I want to show you three reasons they procrastinated. Here's a very quick background to our story. Uh, I, don't, I don't like to just give y'all a story without you understanding what's going on historically. So if you hate history, I'm sorry, but I try to make it interesting. Here's what's happening. The Apostle Paul, he's preaching in Jerusalem. Makes the Jews very, very angry. So they host, hostily, is that a word? It is? Cool. They hostily, new word. No, no, no. Hostile, hostilely, whatever. They angrily grab him and they take him to Lysias. Everybody say Lysias. Lysias was basically like the chief of police up in Jerusalem. So Lysias is hearing Paul out. He's hearing his case. And he don't think Paul did anything that wrong. And they want to kill Paul. So, so to protect Paul, he basically gives them this police escort to a city called Caesarea. Why Caesarea? Because Caesarea was like the central uh, hub for Roman government. So Paul, with his police escort, gets to Caesarea, and now he has to talk to Felix. He's who we're hanging out with today. So everybody say Felix. Felix is the Roman governor in Caesarea. He's the big dog. And so Paul starts explaining his case now to Felix. And Felix is conflicted because he's curious. Like, he kind of wants to hear more about Jesus, but he doesn't want to, like, let Paul out of the jail. And then all the Jews hate him because they wanted him to punish Paul. And so he just procrastinates and procrastinates. It literally takes him two years to make a decision. Poor Paul, sitting there for two years. And actually, he never does make a decision. You'll see at the end, his job transfers him out. But that's where we drop in today, and I want you to see the reasons he procrastinates, because I think they're reasons we procrastinate too. So Acts 24, 22, to 20, 22 through 23, Paul is giving his defense to Felix and says this. At that point, Felix, who was quite familiar with the way, that's what they called Christians back then, the way, he adjourned the hearing and said, wait until Lysias, that was really bad, one, two, three, wait, there it is, until Lysias, the garrison commander arrives, then I will decide the case. Here's why that's annoying, okay? Lysias just sent Paul to Felix. And when Lysias sent Paul, I'm going to show you this. He sent him with a note. And in the note, 
It's like basically like, hey, Felix, it's Lysias. I'm sending you Paul here. And he's like, I investigated his situation. And he tells him this in the letter. It's an excerpt from the previous chapter, Acts 23, 29. It says this. I soon discovered the charge. This is his note. I soon discovered the charge was something regarding their religious law. Certainly, certainly nothing worthy of imprisonment or death. So Felix procrastinates saying like, oh, I'll wait. We'll wait till Lysias gives us some sort of verdict. But Lysias already told him his thoughts. So what is Felix doing? He's procrastinating. Why? Because he don't want the responsibility. He wants somebody else to do it. He wants somebody else to take the fall. And really, I think it shows us the first reason we procrastinate. The first excuse we make is we say, ah, somebody else will come. Somebody else will come. It is easy to procrastinate when you think somebody else will do the work. That's why when you're in a group project, what do you do? You show up. You see who the smartest, hardworking person in the group is, and you pray to God it's not you. Yeah, why? Because you know how long you have to procrastinate if you got old hardworking Susan in your class and she's going to do all the work. Someone's going to do the work. But we do this in our faith. Someone else will come. Ah, someone else will give. Someone else will help. Someone else will call and, and check up on it. What if it's your call to make? Sometimes we say, oh, that's the pastor's job. And we will use the pastor to excuse ourselves from doing the work of a Christian. God is not only calling other people to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the people in your world. He's calling you to. But as long as you can just write off, oh, somebody else will make the, make the decision. Somebody else will come. As long as you do that, you will always give yourself reason to procrastinate. I do want to brag on YA, though, because I feel like I see you guys carrying each other's burdens a lot helping each other, calling each other for prayer. And that makes me happy because I'm one person. And I don't even know if I know all the people in this room anymore. YA is kind of growing and whatever. And that's great. That's a testimony. Cool. But, yeah, pr praise the Lord. But here's why it's cool. I counsel every week. And my counseling sessions are always booked up. I'll remember the last time I didn't counsel. But I can't counsel everybody. And as much as I love to do it, I love to see you guys caring for each other. You guys carrying burdens. You guys praying with each other. Why? Because that means we're not buying into a mentality somebody else will come. We can't buy into that and do the work of God. God has work for you to do. Look at Proverbs 3.28. It says this. If you can help your neighbor now, then don't say, come back tomorrow, tomorrow and then I'll help you. It's never only somebody else's job. To help the people God puts in your life. Please don't procrastinate by saying somebody else will come. Now, I want to continue the story. I'm warning you, this part, going to get a little rocky. I might get in your business. The Lord gets in my business. So receive it with an open heart, okay? At first, the story's going on, and Felix is curious because it has to do with his job. But now, he's just kind of personally curious. He's like, hmm. I don't know more about this Jesus that Paul preaches. So it goes on, and the Bible says in verse 24, it says, A few days later, Felix came back with his wife, Drusilla, <laughs> daughter of Godzilla. I don't know. A few days later, Felix came back with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, Jewish sending for Paul. 
They listened as he told them about faith in Christ Jesus. As he reasoned, as Paul, as Paul's reasoning with them about righteousness, self-control, and the coming day of judgment, Felix became frightened. Go away for now, he replied. When it's more convenient, I'll call for you again. Let me explain what's happening here, okay? Paul starts to talk to them about right and wrong, about self-control, about the coming judgment of God. And they get convicted. I don't know if you know what that word means. It's kind of a churchy word. Meaning they start to know like, oh, we've been, we've been doing some stuff wrong. And it makes sense if you know who they are. Drusilla, her family is worse than her name, okay? She, I'm serious, her great-grandfather was the Herod that tried to kill all the babies when Jesus was born. That's her great-grandfather. So, like, imagine that, right? It's like someone being like, you know Hitler? Yeah, we go way back. He's my great-grandfather. Her uncle was the one who beheaded John the Baptist and uh, the one who mocked Jesus at crucifixion. Like, she knew nothing about a godly lifestyle. She was terribly unrighteous. And her husband, Felix, the Roman governor, he was a terrible person, too. If you read Roman history, it don't take long to figure out, like, he would lie, cheat, even murder to promote himself and get to the top. And not only that, but his wife, Drusilla, was his third wife, and she ran out on her husband just to be with him. So, like, Paul's talking to them about righteousness and the coming judgment and blah, 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 blah. And they're like, oh, we're convicted. And I can prove it. Look at verse 25 again. It says, as he reasoned with them about righteousness, self-control, the coming day of judgment. This is important right here. Felix became what? He was frightened. That's a big deal. Let me tell you why. Roman authorities prided themselves on not showing emotion. They were very stoic. To show emotion was a very sign of weakness. But Paul gets personal. Paul starts talking about the gospel, and it gets in his kitchen, because the gospel should always get in your kitchen. So I don't apologize for getting in your kitchen with the word of God. I won't do it, but the word of God will, and I'm not going to apologize for that. The gospel gets personal, and it grips Felix's heart. And he's, as much as he wants to be stoic and sh not show his emotion, he can't help it. He gets frightened. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Just, just go back later. We'll talk later. And he shows the second reason that we often procrastinate. The first one, we say, ah, someone else will come. But the second one is we often say, I don't want to be convicted. I don't want to be convicted. Hey, listen, please don't procrastinate because the word of God convicts you. It should convict you. That's a good thing. It convicts me all the time. Maybe you show up to church and I say something about, I don't know, patience, right? And it convicts you. That conviction can, can scare you and it can cause you to push God away and be like, oh, later, later. Or you can embrace that conviction and start making progress in your faith. But procrastination is the enemy of progress. Maybe you show up and I say something about anything. And let me, please hear me. I'm not perfect. The closer you are to me, the more you know God. I got loads of stuff to work on. But I could say something about, I don't know, generosity, purity, drunkenness, pride. You pick. There's a list of things that a lot of us could work on. And you could either say, mm, that makes me uncomfortable, I'm going to procrastinate, we'll work on this later. Or you can embrace it and start making progress. But procrastination is the enemy of progress. And some of you are making so little progress in your faith because every time the word of God really wants to convict your heart, you just say, no, we'll deal with that later. And you can't 
grow that way. Listen, if we didn't need to fix anything, God just would have never come. I hope you hear my heart because I'm not mad at anybody. Listen, I have loads of stuff to work on. Corey and Emma work very closely with me. Ask them. They can tell you all the ways that the Lord needs to fix my heart, okay? I got loads of stuff to work on. I'm learning that conviction doesn't mean God's mad at me. That's condemnation. But we confuse conviction and condemnation all the time. So let me just sidestep real quick and talk about the difference. See, in conviction, God whispers, hey, come on. Come here. Let's work on this together. And condemnation, it sounds very similar, but it's the enemy. And he's like, for real, you did it again? Ooh, you do not belong here. Conviction pulls you towards God. Condemnation pushes you away from God. The enemy will distort conviction, use it as condemnation, so that you sit there knowing the stuff you got to work on, and you think God is disgusted with you. Why? Because he wants you to run away from the only source that can heal you. Please hear me. If you are convicted, that's a good thing. The Bible says God disciplines those he loves. God loves you. God's for you. He's not mad at you. He's convicting you because he sees something better for you. So don't procrastinate and stop making no progress in your faith. <laughs> Conviction. I wrote this down, so I got to read it. Conviction leads to correction, and correction leads to a cure. I'm going to say it again. Conviction leads to correction. Correction leads to a cure. What do I mean? I started CrossFit a couple months ago. I hate it. It's terrible. I have to learn all these new lifts, right? I don't know. Like, why are we doing this? This is stupid. There's this one called the Power Clean, I think. It originated in hell with Satan. It's, it's so bad. Um... Well, I went in one day without the instructor, and I tried to do it. And, you know, I tried a lightweight, 315. Uh, somebody works out. Um, I really was. It was like a lightweight, but I did it wrong, and, like, I jacked my shoulder up. And, like, I was like, that's, that's enough gym today. We did one set of one. We're out. And I knew, like, the lady that scanned my tag, like, judged me when I walked out. She was like, you were here two minutes ago. You're the last person that checked in. Anyway. So I go back to the instructor the following year, no, the following week, and I told him, I was like, bro, like, I tried power cleans by myself. It was a bad, bad day for me. He was like, well, what'd you do? And I was like, I kind of did it like this. And he was like, well, I see why you're hurt. That's wrong. Here's how you do it. And if you do it that way, you won't hurt yourself. Now, let me go back over that. He said, that's wrong. Conviction. Here's how you do it. Correction. This way you don't hurt yourself. Cure. You see that? That's wrong. Conviction. Here's how you do it. Correction. This way you don't hurt yourself. Cure. And you got to understand, God does it the same way. God will convict you to correct you so that he can cure you. So you got to give God permission to get in your business and say, hey, that's wrong. Here's how you do it. That way you don't get hurt anymore. Some of you are getting hurt because any time there's conviction, you're like Felix, and you're like, no, 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 no. Hey, God loves you. He doesn't want to hurt you. He wants to see you cured. But you got to understand that conviction leads to correction, which leads to a cure. Amen? All right, I'll move on. God loves you a lot. I promise. He's not mad at you. Don't procrastinate when he convicts you. So let me finish the story. 
I want to show you the last reason we procrastinate. It's actually in the same verse, just the end of it. Verse 25, Paul is talking to Felix, and it says, As Paul reasoned with them about righteousness, self-control, and the coming day of judgment, Felix became frightened. He said, go away for now, he replied, when it is more convenient. I'll call for you again. The excuses we make to procrastinate. Someone else will come. I want to be convicted. But also, it's not convenient. This excuse gets all of us in some way or another. I'll serve God. I, I, I listed all those reasons at the beginning. I'll serve God after high school. I'll serve God when I'm married. I'll serve God when I have a kid. But right now, it's not really convenient. That's a bad mentality for anything. If I waited to make healthier life choices till it was convenient, I never would. If I waited to put anything in there, manage my money, study, take my thoughts captive until it was convenient, I never would. And it's the same with your faith. A lot of times it's not convenient when God's asking you to do it. It costs something. But it's worth the cost. The problem with this it's not convenient mindset is that it rarely ever is. So it rarely ever happens. See, Felix, he never came to know Jesus as far as we know. He sat in that cell for for two years till his job transferred him. Never talked to Paul, probably again. Never accepted Jesus ever again. Listen, the Bible is clear. The most convenient time for sinners like me to repent is today, is right now. 2 Corinthians says this, 2 Corinthians 6, 2. Indeed, the right time is when? Now, today is the day of salvation. You're not promised tomorrow. And even if you were, God's plan is so much better. But you got to trust him. You got to know he loves you. You got to stick with it. I want to end with this story. It's not a Bible story. Uh, It's just an old parable that preachers tell, and I think there's a lot of truth in it. The devil, he called a meeting with him and four of his lead demons. And they were sitting down there, and he said, all right, here's the agenda for the meeting. We got to figure out how we can get as many people to hell and away from God as possible. So they're brainstorming, thinking, thinking, thinking. The first demon steps up, and he's like, I, I got it, I got it, I got it. What if we just tell them there is no God? The devil says, no, that won't work. I mean, just look around at creation. It's much more reasonable to think that somebody created this. It didn't just pop out of nowhere. So they back to the drawing board, thinking, thinking, how can we get as many people to hell as possible away from God? Second demon pops up, and he's like, I got it. Let's just tell them there is no heaven. Devil sits there, and he says, "Mm, that's not going to work either. Because people instinctively want to believe in heaven. When they lose a loved one, they want to believe they're somewhere happy and whole. So back to the drawing board. They're getting frustrated now. Thinking, thinking, thinking. Third demon pops up. And he's like, I got it. Master, what if we tell them that there's no hell? The devil's like, interested, but he thinks about it, and he says, well, that's not going to work either. Because at the end of the day, people in their heart want to believe that there's going to be some sort of justice for all the wrongs done here on earth. So at this point, everybody's frustrated. How can we get as many people to hell and away from God as possible? And finally and quietly, the fourth demon speaks up. And he says, Master, I got the solution. If we can't tell them there's no God, if we can't tell them there's no heaven, and if we can't tell them there's no hell, 
let's just say there's no hurry. The devil said, perfect. 2 Corinthians 6. Indeed, the time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. God, that you didn't wait to come save us. You ran us down as quick as you could. Lord, let us run to you just as fast. We don't deserve you, but Lord, we're thankful. Lord, let us not procrastinate by saying, oh, somebody else will come. Let us not procrastinate just because we feel convicted. Your conviction leads to a cure. And God, let us not procrastinate. God, just because it's not always convenient. Hey, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just got two quick questions before we leave. It's something we do every time uh, that we have service, and that's basically very simple. It's to make sure you are on good terms with God, that you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. I hope you know, I've said it a lot, Jesus loves you no matter what you've done, no matter where you're from, your background, no matter if you don't even know that much about him, Jesus would die for you over and over again, but he did it to show you how much he loves you. So the Bible says sin separates us from God and there was no way we could get back to God except through believing in Jesus who sacrificed himself, who took our punishment. So here's my question, if you're in here today, and you're like, man, I think for the first time in my heart, I feel something kind of shifted. I actually believed in Jesus, and I'm actually wanting to put my faith in him. If you're in here and you don't know where you would go if you breathed your last breath, heaven or hell, but you want to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, then all I want you to do is on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand. Nobody looking around, just me and you. I'm going to pray from this stage. You can stay where, you're, where you are. But if you're in here and you say, yeah, that's me. I need to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of my life. On the count of three, would you just raise your hand? One, two, three. Anybody like that in here? Awesome. See that hand. I see that hand. It's amazing. Okay, let me ask you a second question. If you're in here and you say, Pastor G, at one point I was following God, but I haven't been following him. I've been procrastinating. He, he hasn't been a priority in my life. But you're in here and you say, today I need to rededicate my life and start a new chapter. If that's you and you want to rededicate your life, on the count of three, would you just raise your hand? One, two, three. Nobody looking around. Awesome, 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 awesome. Let's do this. Put your hand on your heart and... If you would, please repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a Savior. Thank you for loving me when I didn't care about you. Thank you for running me down when I was running away. Make me new. And if I fall, give me the grace to get back up. Put people in my path who will lead me to you. I believe that you are Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Victoria area, stop by one of our services. Church is way better with people. So if you're between the ages of 18 to 29, check out our Instagram at ffc.ya. All of our service info is there. And if you're 6th through 12th grade, check out our Instagram at ffc.sm. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And even more, I hope it brought you closer to God. Have a great day.